I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. It's been a very busy week despite no World Tour racing on. Yes, there was Welter Burgos with Primoz Roglic showing he is ready for the Welter Espana. But we are here to do a mega transfers recap. Ineos, what's going on with them? Very passive in the transfer market. Demar's mid-season move. Trek signing everybody. Jumbo <laughs> Visma restocking the young guns. Quickstep also getting involved finally. And some other ones here and there. Some surprising ones that, oh, I, I didn't expect. Why does he go there? How's Who's the relationship with there? There's a few of them around <laughs> too. But um, yeah, I think the Remco interview, Benji, went pretty well. Now that we, the dust has settled on it, I'm pretty happy with how it all went. I think so as well. It was it was fun to do in the first place. It was fun to see you again as well. But also it's it's enjoyable to see that the effort that we've done to make this happen was rewarded with people just being happy that the content reached the internet because it was, it was a good reaction. It was good feedback. And I also think that for a lot of people that it might have changed the way people look at Remco because when you hear the media and the interviews and so forth, you often get a misrepresentation of what a rider really is like. And I feel like for the Remco, it really might have been a point where people changed their mind, no? Yeah, I think so, particularly in the English-speaking world who may be uh, the, you know, 50% of the podcast audience or, you know, <laughs> are sort of including... Anyway, um... That was a whole week thing, like Sunday where Women's World Championships road race uh, finished and then you basically texted me saying Remco's in Andorra, uh, I reckon we can tee it up and then, yeah, agreed agreed with him to do it and then furiously booking flights for you because I wanted to do it in person. <laughs> Actually, our first ever in-person rider interview, yeah. I think it made a big difference and made it much better, particularly when it's three people. And like, yeah, there's no certainly. way we would have done an hour 45 remotely. There's just no way. 100%, because on one end, you've got a rider that's sitting there in front of a, a screen and not really interacting with you in person. It's it's a bit more stress beforehand, because when you start like a digital interview, you automatically have a feeling of like, oh, we should immediately get started. No small talk before we get started. While in person, it's so much easier to have that small talk. It's so much easier to be relaxed with each other. And you, you get more of the vibes and as a consequence, you know whether a longer interview will be possible or not, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And just eh, when they're looking at their laptop, they could be looking at other things. It's yeah. Yeah, it's just way better. And they can see the time. Like, oh, shit, we've been going for an hour. All right, that's it. Whereas if you're in a free-flowing conversation in person, you just sort of keep going until yeah. it runs out. So, yeah, and then the editor, that was, was crazy. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of stress as well with the Luke doing that. Um, he's on a well-deserved holiday now before the Welter and... So yeah, I thought super happy with it. Thanks for all the positive comments that, as well. We're really happy. We've read all of them, Twitter or the YouTube comments or the Spotify responses. It's been awesome to see that everyone enjoyed it. We'll try to tee up some more as well because, yeah, we didn't realize it would it would do so well. So we'll try to tee up some more <laughs> interviews, maybe in the in the off season or maybe in the Italian race period in October. But anyway, 
onto the transfers. Speaking of Remco, he's kind of tied into this, but let's talk about the Ineos Grenadiers. So many rumours and not much pen to paper or announcements. Like there's rumours of... Well, first there's the... I think you have to start with the Remco thing, Benji, because I think that's yep. like the first domino. To me, it looked for a long time like they weren't doing anything in the hopes they would get Remco, and they were gonna they were gonna save budget for that. But I don't think I don't think that's happening anymore. Definitely not via a buyout. I zero. I don't see that at all. And the merger as well. I, I was that just a Twitter fiction? Like, where's this merger come from? <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know. I feel like it was something that was suddenly existing. I also think there was uh, an article from Willerflitz from Rem, Raymond Kerkhoffs who actually proposed it as a potential option on the table. And I, I'd argue that he probably wouldn't put it in an article if there was no like thing to grasp on, for example. There have, there have been rumors of conversations between the likes of Lefebvre and the likes of Radcliffe, for example. But those are just rumors. There's no factual proof that that actually happened. And... I think there's two parallel things here. You've got the fact that the Remco Quickstep drama, which there was uncertainty whether he would stay with Quickstep. People didn't know what was going to happen there. And there was interest along the way over the last year and a half from Ineos. But if he's got a contract, that's very difficult to do. And that was kind of the moral of the story there. But parallel to that, I, I heard some rumors that within Quickstep, there were some insurities when it comes to the transfer policies. I, I recall hearing that Dave Brelsford is kind of more involved into the cycling thing again because I Me swear he was out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I recall so, he was like to other sports for a bit, no? So Brailsford's the head of Ineos Sport overall, which is the 33% or whatever stake in the, F, in the Formula One Mercedes team, which is the sailing team, which is OG Nice, the football club in the yeah. south of France, and which is the original Ineos or Sky cycling team. And he's also been quite sick, I believe. I, do, I hope he, he, he seems a bit better maybe, but he's been quite sick as well, I think. And so he was not hands-on. He was not hands-on day-to-day in the transfers. And Rod Ellingworth, yep. who was his, I think, right-hand man when it was peak Sky, Rod Ellingworth went to Bahrain, signed Cavendish, signed a few other riders... And then when Brailsford in, I don't know, 2021, yeah. 2020, 2021, went to do other things, I think, Ellingworth was called back to Ineos, got a job offer back to be basically the the, the, the day-to-day big boss and, yeah. and uh, of the team. Uh, and then Roger Hammond was brought in to be the director of racing. So Ellingworth making, was making all the transfer decisions uh, up to this point. But then... I have a feeling that during the tour, Brailsford was back on the scene, yeah. giving interviews about the team's future in the car uh, the weekend they won two stages, actually. And it seems that Brailsford coming back in has ripped up everything that was going to happen before. So Verona, I was told by so many people, that was done. Done deal yeah. to, that, to Ineos. And as like a Castro replacement. Foss, apparently, I thought, was a done deal. And both of these on big money, I think, too. Like, surprising amount of yeah. money. Uh, the Foss one publicly so from Haugland's leak. And so, then it's like, what's going on, Benji? Who's in charge? To me, it seems like Brailsford's come back in. It said, what the fuck is going on? 
and <laughs> they're almost they've started from scratch and on the 1st of August for next year so first of all him coming in and starting from scratch i don't necessarily think that's a bad idea because i wasn't really on the on the on the same page when it comes to an expensive fast transfer and a rather expensive Verona one. Verona, I can still forgive. I feel like signing Verona as a domestique is valuable, but the problem is not that they don't have the domestiques. The problem is that they don't necessarily have the leadership. So that's a problem that they have. Now, there are also rumors when it comes to Lefay and also George Bennett. Also, I recall that being a pretty small rumor. I don't know if that was actually like a serious thing. Lafay was pretty serious at the time, but then Coffey stepped up and put big money down to try and retain Lafay. I, I think he's staying at Coffey's, but yeah. at this point, everything can still change. But uh, in the end, the situation is like you said. First of all, they had to restart, and that means they're behind on things because a lot of riders, a lot of teams have already done their meetings before, then, and therefore they're kind of a. Uh, Last minute trying to make sure they can get the riders they need is how I perceive it. Because currently there's 15 riders confirmed for 2024 as of the 20th of August, 10.33 in the morning. And when it comes to other riders that are supposedly going to be extended, the plus, uh, I recall having heard numerous times that he wants to stay. He'll extend. He, yeah, at quick step they're saying that he couldn't get him because he wanted to stay. So that sounds like yeah. he's going to get extended. Thomas sounds like he's going to get extended. Castro probably going to get extended, especially now that the Verona one might have been halted because I feel like Verona was kind of the the replacement idea maybe for the future instead of a, a Castro. But then Rodriguez is the big one, right? Because we've had a year and a half of rumors for this man. Is he going to Movistar? Is he not going to Movistar? A done deal going to Movistar. But no, he's staying at Rodriguez. Oh no, he's staying at Ineos. And all these things. And now, yesterday I recall seeing a, a tweet by... Chiro Sconamiglio, I think that's his full name on Twitter. And he's basically and he's basically got a quadro on speed dial, right? Yeah. That's Chiro's <laughs> Italian. A quadro is, is he Italian? Um, I don't know. And he gets all the Ineos stuff. I think him and a quadro are just like calling each other. Buddies. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, he said roughly 80% chance that Rodriguez is staying at Ineos. So at this point, they probably need it. They probably need it, Carlos yeah, yeah, Rodriguez yeah. staying, especially if the Remco thing is completely untrue, which it sounds like it is at That's this point. Happening. Yeah, I don't believe it either. But also, why is it not happening? Not just because of the stuff we heard from Remco, but also next to that, how impossible would it be for Pinarello versus Specialized to, to work together in that sense? Like, Pinarello is currently in deal with Ineos, but that deal is supposedly ending at some point nearly in the future. But they have personal deals with riders like Gana. And also with Pitcock, major deals. And then on the other side, we've got Specialized, who... Does Remco have a a deal with Specialized personally, you think? I'm not sure. I mean, you'd hope so, but probably not. But they're, they're definitely, now that Sagan's retired, like the launch of the SL8, they had two poster people, Bollering and Remco, with the two yeah. people in the advertising. Remco's the new poster boy for Specialized. So he, clearly, he's the biggest rider on the spec right yeah. now. Uh, unless Cav goes back to to quick step, so <laughs> yeah, that's another another difficulty with and where well, I don't I don't see that happening unless there was a merger of some description. But the 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 Rodriguez thing is clearly like they woke they they obviously didn't get the extension done last year. Let's be clear, Rodriguez. We had the joke the two Rodriguez's against each other last year. Carlos yeah. Rodriguez, twenty two twenty one years old last year was fucking good. Like, yeah. 
in his in Valenciana, he came second, and that was a good field. That was Remco Vlasov was yeah. in good shape. He won a stage in Pays Vasco where he dropped Soler, who's no scrub. Strong at Strade. Strong. Like, he was good. And this is before the Vuelta. I'm talking first half 2021 as a 21-year-old yeah. who'd been at university. And they didn't extend him or couldn't get an extension done. And so then he says, well, uh, I'll go to my... And all the time he seemed happy at Ineos, half the staff of Spanish speaking. And half the riders. And then uh, signs, I mean, he keeps getting called a pre-contract at Movistar. I have no idea what that is. Like, I presume, like, if he signed a contract for 24 to, say, 27 at Movistar, I wouldn't describe that as a pre-contract. I would describe that as a contract he signed for 24 to 27. Yeah, and there were also rumors that it would be kind of like a, a contract to be able to negotiate exclusively, but why in God's name would That's you sign it as a rider in the thing. first place? <laughs> for a team to sign. For a team to sign. For a quadro, team. for a quadro, it's a stroke of genius. Because he's getting paid out of this. Yeah, but for Rodriguez, it's also restricting him, no? Because he can't use one team against the other anymore. Well, they still are. Well, that's true. <laughs> like Ineos is still going to have to like negotiate his new salary with him yeah. now after he's come fifth at the tour. So uh, eventually they've woken up and be like, "Fuck, we can't let this guy go," and they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay a bomb to, to Movistar. And I don't know if Movistar have a choice in the matter. If I was Movistar, I would actually <laughs> not accept it. I would keep keep him. But if the money's so yeah. big, you're like, "Well, fuck, we can take however many million." So. Kind of a fuck up all round, um, but they, but you know, what's done is done. No use crying over spilt milk. I still think they should keep him, and so that's the whole Rodriguez drama. And we're not even getting into. By the way, <laughs> let's be. Ineos don't normally announce their signings till quite late, like September yep. or something. So yes, there's 15 contracted riders, but Chiro said that you know, Puccio Castro resigned. He said. Uh, even Brandon Rivera is re-signed, so I think almost the plus Rodriguez probably. If I that think in reality, well, there's so. only four or five spots max free. Uh, okay, for the 28. But the omissions, Benji, because we don't have anyone to talk about coming in. Do you think it's they're wrong to let Martinez Gegenhart Sivakov, that core of expensive second tier GC guys, go? Ooh, I think with the team they have, losing Gegenhardt is a pretty costly matter. Now, it's still a gamble because you don't know how he'll come back from his injury. So that's the same gamble that Trek is making in that sense. Because I think it's it was signed before injury. that, though. Oh, okay. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> but with the riders that are on paper leaving, like a Sivakov and so forth, the thing with Daniel Martinez is he's had all the opportunities in the world to... Yeah. Ha, be a leader because he was a super domestique with the option of becoming leader at the moment where Ineos was looking for their GC identity the most in their entire history. So he's had the options to move up, but he just wasn't good enough. And if you're not good enough, then you either become a super domestique at the team you're at, or you try and find other places where you can become a GC rider. And I, I kind of feel like Boram might sign him as... Oh, we're gonna try and give him opportunities in the same way that we do with the Higitas of the world. It's a one year. No. Is it a one year? Yeah, that's weird. What the fuck? 
a one-year prove-it deal, which means to get the big money for 25, he has to perform in the first three months. He has three months to perform at Bora <laughs> to get a big deal in 25. Like That is the most strange deal, a one-year deal. <laughs> for the Dauphiné winner, Tour de France stage winner, Basque Country winner last year, a one-year. That's shocking. Like, have Bora offered him, like, three and a half mil for one year and no one well, else and, – and, and, and someone else, you know, were offering – people offering one and a half for three – each year for three – like, Bora overpaying for one? I don't understand. That is just bizarre to me. Very strange. Uh, but, again, a quadro thing. So, I agree with you. Like, if you don't have the A1 AAA leader of a, of a Remco, Roglic, Pogaccia, Jonas, Sivakov as a luxury dom is actually very expensive – and he doesn't really move the needle for you. So uh, yep. he goes to UAE. I think that's fine. Tullet, though, Benji, out. That's the one where it's like, aren't you building this young core of GC riders or potential yep. riders? He couldn't be that expensive. That's the one where we'll get to him with the Yumbo transfers. But I don't know. It's It seems like a lot of stuff has happened early in the year. And... Yeah, that just gives more fuel to the fire to my theory that they're trying to rectify a lot of mistakes from the first six months of this year. To me, it feels like Ineos missed the boat as a consequence of the management not realizing that there's other teams that are more attractive than Ineos these days. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Like riders are very, very happy to go to UAE. Yep. They got great equipment now, uh, good team environment. Not too much pressure on the guys, generally speaking. Yumbo, same thing. Even Bora. Guys, they got specialized. Bora's yeah. well run. Um, you know, so it's not just like the old days where, yeah, Sky Sky were the only ones that would give you, you know, <laughs> some decent food or something. I'm yeah. not I'm exaggerating, but uh, Sky had a bigger advantage in that sense back in the day. Not so much anymore. So that's Ineos. In the end, if they keep Rodriguez, if they extend G on a two-year deal... It's more about the future, Benji. Like 2024 is already set in stone. I sh I'm assuming Rodriguez stays. They'll be okay in 2024. It's more they're missing guys. Jorgensen, missed him, gone. Yeah. English-speaking GC classics prospect. Not wouldn't have been too expensive like compared to the haters of the world. And so can we trust them to get Gregoire in 2025? Can we trust them to be scouting unless they bring in different people for 2025? Unless it may be. I don't know. But um, maybe Noah Hobbs will fix it. He's pretty damn good. But I think it's just, <laughs> yeah. It, we'll see. We'll see. Um, like, is getting a Hugh Garfield who's still on the market a solution? Is getting nah. Simon Yates in 2024 a solution? Yeah, it can't go because of the doping suspension. Oh, you're, you're right. So, yeah. I don't anyway. think there's a, an imminent solution there, but I also don't think that they're in absolute chaos, like, oh, in danger of folding, as is being no, suggested no. sometimes, which that will still happen. be a decent team next year. I think they've made some good moves by not re-signing some people, uh, those three yeah. that they didn't re-sign. I think that's not a bad move if you're, if you're saving money. And it's more about, okay, what are you going to do in 25 now? Anyway, that's a lot on Ineos. One of the big actual announcements, one of the biggest riders to move now is the October-September killer, Arno Demar to Arkea Samzik. <laughs> now, obviously, full blow-up between him and Matteo. 
Mario giving interviews saying with the passage of time we'll be friends once again. Demar saying, because <laughs> I watched a French interview actually online because, yeah, my French is so good. Um, <laughs> I actually did understand it. Uh, Demar I find quite easy to understand. I don't know where he's from in France. He actually he doesn't speak too fast. Anyway, he, he kind of was like, don't know about that, buddy. So he's still super pissed. <laughs> Goes to Arkea. They need him, Benji. Arkea. Yes. They are desperate for points. As I said, Parry Tour and all these one-day races, plenty of points. He kills those races this time of year. But Groupama have not, and they gave a press release, Benji. They brought in your boy. Maybe you're working as a consultant for them, Sven-Erik Bistrom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, they'd be doing better than that if Benji was there. Um, Bistrom, Russo, and Rochas. And Mario said, We're not, we got our leaders. Demar's out. Pino's out. We got Godou, we got Gregoire, we got Lenny. That's it. What do you, what's your take on that? I'm okay with them trusting their youngsters as future leaders, actually. I'm okay with them signing domestiques, although I feel like you said it at a different point about different kind of riders. I'm not sure if it was about French riders, but it's the same for Italian riders, French riders, Belgian riders, even Dutch riders in this entire pro cycling world tour industry. There's this carousel going around of riders that are not necessarily world tour worthy that are going around in, in these French teams, for example. Like, Bishram is good. Like, he's solid domestique solid and so forth. Russia, I actually feel like, is a solid domestique as well. I mean, but Rousseau is on the edge of, for me. It's like, he's been in the breakaway in cobble races. He's been okay in cobble races. But I haven't seen more than a pro team cobble rider so far. How much better is Rochas than Seb Berwick? Well, R if I say, if I say, I'll be killed. I mean, what, <laughs> uh, tell me, I, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm agreeing with you though. It being there is a French carousel, um, yeah, and so those riders are not moving the needle in terms of wins. I think letting Demargo is a good yep. idea. Listen, yep, he's going to race for another six weeks in races that FDJ. Okay, Paris Tour, lovely. It's not the Tour de France. It's he's not going to. He wasn't going to do the Vuelta. He wasn't going to do Milan San Remo. They save five months of salary. They save maybe a million euros. If his salary was two point two, they save a million euros, and just of and he's only going to race at Arkea for a few weeks, two and months in races they don't care about, not the Tour FDJ. They don't need the points. I think it's a great idea, especially as it was toxic as fuck. So it's a win-win for both. I agree, but it also for the public. It oh, also sad. shows to existing riders in the team and riders that might have offers of going there in the future of like, ooh, if I have any problems with Godou, then that means I'm exiting the team or anything. That It kind of sounds like that from the external side. So uh, it's not a great message necessarily, but it is a good move financially to let Demar go. And it's a good move for Demar as well to go to a different team. And a great move for Arkea who needs those points like you mentioned, because this guy's going to score at least 500, probably near 1,000 yeah. points in the next few months. Is 1,000 a lot? Probably Thousands a lot, a lot, maybe 600, 700, depending how he, depends how he goes. Maybe he won't go well at Arkea. Uh, he has already been racing, and I don't think he got yeah. two good results in. I did Lurvin with them, but uh, he's doing, yeah, man, look at his schedule. He's doing Bemister Classics today, which is a world tour race. <laughs> yeah, his schedule is, yeah, points farming galore. Anyway, I agree that for FDJ, the proof will really be in can they extend their young guys who I really like for 25. Yeah. They're kind of in a holding pattern next year. 
they decided to hitch their wagon to David GC David Gudu. You know, that's I don't, I don't see it. But uh, they also have cost. Like, should they have signed a Danny Martinez on a two-year deal, expensive to fill the Pino gap? No, no. It, that doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for their team, their sponsors. Their if fans. he was French, yeah, but and Sivakov was too expensive. Yeah, exactly. He was too expensive, and also he's not that guy either. <clears throat> so yeah. I don't have a problem really with what they've done in the transfer market so far. Uh, Little Trek, they have been the big movers. Perhaps we should have started with them. They got that that German multinational little money in. Big money though. <laughs> and they are spending it. Boy, oh boy. Teo Gegenhart, the, uh, the main diamond in there that they signed. Obviously, I, I believe that was signed before the Giro. So I, I'm not going to criticize them for signing a rider who then crashed. That makes no sense. Um, I, I think it's a good signing, Gegenhardt. I've already said, I yeah. think, uh, on that. It's, okay, is he in the top tier of guys? No. Like when Remco read off his list of GC guys, no, he's not in there. But he's not old, like your boy Nibali, Benji. He has won <laughs> a Grand was, Tour. That was he, unnecessary. Well... <laughs> <laughs> like they, they like they like getting like Port came third in the tour, so it's not always been True. bad. But if you want a guy to be your GC leader for five years, Gagenhart might be that guy. Um, but the inconsistency is a question mark. I think if you got the money, it's worth taking the risk as they as they yes. have. Uh, and then they've signed Milan. That was done before the Giro, I believe. Uh, nice bit of work. And it's just like last year, Benji. It's I think they scout really old school, and so Milan, because he was the most talented Italian rider. I reckon yep. they, I reckon they overpaid before the Giro, and then by the time the Giro finished, it was a steal. Yep. Um, <laughs> but then there's the the flip side of that is, which is, he gets to bring his friend Simone Consoni. Don't see it, Fabio <laughs> Fellini. Like he's no no like, good, and Conrad also I think is too expensive for what he brings. Fellini was a great rider in the past, but the guys near the end of his career, and I honestly, no offense, thought he had already retired, but apparently he's still riding and he's still continuing riding. What's the length of his contract? It's only a one. It could be one year at 70 grand. Like it could be basically transitioning into a DS role, but still, it's a roster spot. Yeah, it's a roster spot, but I also think it's okay to have that roster spot it's if, it, if it's a cheap one. Kind of road captain, a bit of an add-on to your cobalt team if you need that rider in such races. So he's there. He also he also could climb relatively okay in the past as well. So they he's kind of a versatile rider, but... Trofeo Laguelia, who's going to pull before yes. the camera start rolling, you know, with 150k well, to go? Like in the past, he would actually compete for no, those yeah, races, that's but I'm disrespecting a bit. But I don't remember him doing that in recent years, though, because like right now 17. he's domesticating. Yeah, yeah, right now he's domesticating. Last year he was kind of domesticating. Okay, results in Slovenia last year in like a first all sprint, but anyway, that's not gonna make the difference here. I feel like Conrad is an interesting one because he was fucking selfish in that one race. Where one race? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Repeat. Tell more. <laughs> oh well. The Giro, yeah, like I even uh, the Radsport bubble can maybe fill me in a little bit, but even they weren't too happy, I think, with his how he rode this year, Patrick Conrad. So you got to remember, he he's won one pro, he's been a pro for nine, ten years. Yeah, a lot of them at most of them at world tour level. He's won one race, not counting wow. the no, I'm not counting the Austrian national championships. Okay, okay, he's won one pro race. I Which know, one? I, eh? Okay, Tour de France breakaway stage <laughs> in 2021, but 
you have to pay for that. You have to pay yep. for that Tour de France stage win. And in the last two years, in 2022, like 2022, nothing. Fifth in Bemis Classics from the – there was a break. Yep. No, absolutely nothing. 23, absolutely nothing except for eighth in Liège. That, and that's two years So since the Tour de France stage win. And I reckon he's on over a million. Yep. So – and he hasn't got his hands dirty a lot of the time with Bora being a domestique. I mean, wasn't he in the breakaway or something? And he should have dropped back to help Hindley. Or who was their yeah. who was their leader in the Giro? Uh oh God, who was their leader in the Giro? Was it Kemner? Yeah, Kemner. Kemner needed help. He didn't drop back to help him. So that's the one where I'm like, oh. But then, you know. <laughs> Is he better than Juanpe? You know, is he better than Elisond on the, on the on the climbs? Not really. What's he worth if you would give money to him, like three hundred, four hundred? I don't like. Ah, uh, I don't he, like Conrad. He, <laughs> no, 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 he's a nice rider, but he came eighth in Liège. Listen, you yeah. have to be a good rider to come eighth in Liège, but he has a good sprint. But for someone with a good sprint, he never wins any races. Yeah. So it's like it can't I'm be not that good. bullish on him. Is what I mean. Like. I feel like he's an okay rider. He's able to be versatile in many ways, but he can't... If he doesn't want to domestique for other people, because we've seen occasions this year where he straight up didn't want to domestique for... Was it... Were they sprinting Edith Schelling, Conrad next to each other? Yes. Uh, Stage one in Catalonia, they were supposed to go for Conrad over Schelling. And this is why I think Schelling probably wanted to leave, because Schelling is well, much quicker than Conrad. He is quicker yeah. than Conrad. Conrad, as I said, has never won a sprint. He's never won a sprint. And there was both, but Conrad crashed in that Catalonia stage one crash. And then Schelling did really well. And then they changed, I think, to Schelling. Or maybe it was the stage Schelling won they were supposed to. Because Schelling won a stage, didn't he? Or I don't know. But um, yeah, they, they've obviously given him a lot of chances. And um, listen, he, I, he's probably going to go out and win fucking three world tour races next year and come top five in the <laughs> <age>. <laughs> And he might, he might. But um, two years, he's not been that good. He's not been that good. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, they've got all that money. I would say to the little Trek, just be careful. Don't don't spend it all at once. Uh, would be would be what I would say uh, to little to little Trek. But you know, who am I to say that? Maybe <laughs> they got to, they got to get money for that Schelmoser extension, Benji. They got to. I wouldn't. Yeah. Make sure you can afford the Schelmoser extension. Now we've spoken about Little Trek. There, there's other big teams that also made moves, likes of UAE, the likes of Jumbo Visma. But let's go to Jumbo Visma first. We've got transfers that, let's be honest about it, they're the most least leaked transfers ever, Jumbo Visma. I swear, like every year we know who they're going to sign months in advance. It's always brought out early. And Vita Jorgensen, flits, man. <laughs> yeah. And Jorgensen and Tullet, those are two riders that were announced ages ago. Next to the three riders that were also stepping up now from their deaf team, Luvon Bellab. Uh, for example, uh, Perstan Hagenis and Johannes Tornemitud. But let's first start with the, the big guns here. Jorgensen, versatile rider, was very strong at the likes of Paranese and Roman D, if I recall correctly. Yeah, Roman D. Didn't really show up on, on the level at Dauphiné and Tour de France, but he also crashed, if I recall, before that. So that's probably influenced his, his results and performances there. But he's also good when it comes to his versatility in cobble races most likely and those types of races so 
I reckon this is a really good signing, and I feel like this will strengthen the team, not just when it comes to GC, as first as a domestique, a super domestique in some shape or form, I don't see him being leader instantly. But when it comes to the couple races, he's a, he's a very valuable rider as that combination is truly there, no? Yeah, and I think this is a good good opportunity to remind like, you know, I'm obviously biased because this is I've, this is my work has been these signings and scoutings and stuff. So I'm not. It'd be make no sense for me just to be to <laughs> shit on my own work. So I, so just let that be clear. Um, but anyway, I'll give my perspective <laughs> regardless. Yeah, I think Jorgensen's a great rider. Um, young, good profile trajectory is really good took that step up as you said like oman and the classics he's top 10 and top ninth and tour of flanders and fourth and e3 and the climbing once i saw the because i thought mary would drop him on green mountain and then when i saw mary yeah. didn't drop him on green mountain i was like and and because jorgensen's six to three or something 190 centimeters i was like this this guy's got an engine and can really climb well for a big guy and then yeah, he's on Movistar that no one on Movistar went well at the Dauphiné or Tour de France. So I think there was a team problem there, whether how they stuffed up, the, whether they stuffed up the altitude camp or what. Yeah. But Mars also had big problems. So yeah, I obviously think it's a great signing. I was very surprised that uh, that Ineos didn't jump for him or Trek because Trek are an American tough American team. They got no American yeah. riders. I was very surprised. But um, big addition for Yumbo. The rich get richer. About Jorgensen, you said it when it comes to the Middle Eastern race at the start of the year, really strong there against Von Sevenon and so forth. But at what point do you pause the thought process of like, ooh, this is only just the Middle Eastern races where Bouchard is also performing well, but then doesn't really perform throughout the rest of the year outside of like a KOM jersey somewhere? At what point were you like, okay, this is the real deal next to the Middle Eastern races? After Paranese Stage A, I was like, must, yeah. must sign because. <laughs> For anybody, I was like, any everybody should want this guy on their team because he did the big peak. What's in the Middle East? As you said, lots of guys, or many guys, have done that. Doesn't mean much. Yeah. Then in Paranese Stage Five, he's Pagacha goes clear on Coldes, and Jorgensen is chasing full gas, barely getting any pulls from a group of four little guys. It was Simon Yates, Vingegaard, and Godou, all about half his size. I was like, holy fuck, <laughs> this guy, and he was trucking. He was like dropping these guys yeah. off the wheel on the flat. I was like, man, yeah, useful rider. Um, didn't win a tour stage, but also, you know, I think very valuable for Jumbo Visma that when this guy wants to get in a breakaway, his, he gets in the breakaway and his strike yeah. rate. The problem is he doesn't win very much or hasn't won in the tour because he can't sprint very well. And he, his punch doesn't seem to be that good. So... That makes it difficult for him to win these Tour de France stages, but as a domestique, as a satellite rider, I also think he can be incredible. I think so as well, and I reckon he can do the same work that a Wout van Aert sometimes does in breakaways, which is, this is heresy to say in Belgium, but I reckon like the Tourmalet action, Jorgensen can probably do that, because he was he could be in the breakaway there. The Flat Valley, he's got the strength on the flat to pace as well, and the first few kilometers of Coulter, I'd expect him all to also do so. That's also like a replacement's worst case. Let, let's say Wout Fanard gets injured before the Tour de France. He can also take up that role and will also probably be in that team regardless of Wout Fanard being there or not. So I think that's uh, that's a valuable addition, like you say. And then the, the Ben Tullets of the world? Well, on Jorgensen, spoke... yeah. do you think, 
and this is also with Tullip, but do you think for Jorgensen he'll get his own chances to lead a one-week GC race? At some point, race? yes. At some point, yes. I'm more when it comes to Jorgensen than Tullip. But okay. I don't see it instantly either. As in, the big races will be Roglic and Vingegaard. That's obvious, but there are races in the year where these other riders will be able to ride in some shape or form in the same way that, I swear, Valters had an opportunity this year. It's not the biggest race that he got an opportunity at. I don't really recall which race it was, but there was one race where he had ridden for GC recently. Um, Norway. Tour pro Norway. race level, yeah. Tour of Norway, for example. So if if he ends up winning that, then suddenly he will be able to have an opportunity. And we know at Jumbo Visma that if you're good enough, you get opportunities. Because, well, first of all, well, sometimes the leaders crash out. In 21 yeah. or whatever it was. Exactly. So if you're strong enough, they're going to use you tactically. I th- yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't think Jorgensen's going to be okay in a Grand Tour in the Tour de France. Yeah, it's clear. Like yeah, yeah. But that also goes for Sivakov at UAE. I think he, I think he'll get plenty of his own opportunities, and I think he fits well in their Tour of Flanders squad as well uh, to get in that that ninety k to go breakaway with all the other big guns. Tullet, yeah, he's a he's he's so young. That's the thing that you keep. I keep having to look at uh, PCS. Like he's only twenty-one years old. He does, <laughs> he does turn twenty-two uh, yeah. in in a week, but still, he just won Tour of Norway. Punchy rider. Uh, he never got taken to Ineos in the Ardennes races, but I think that's what he's actually best at right now. Yeah. And um, second in Hungary, with some tactical mistakes. I, I still think I'm surprised Ineos let him go. And I'm keen to see how he develops it at Yumbo. I still remember his pull at the end of the, the Giro last year was quite strong, too strong, in fact, when he uh, on Paso for Dyer. But um, is much more clear. He is Jorgensen will fit in, and if he's not a valuable rider contributing, I'll be extremely surprised. Tullet's more the you're going for the upside with him. Yeah, I think so as well. I definitely think so as well. Now these other three riders. Jonas Tornemirit, Perestan Hagenes, Luvan Bella, those are talents, right? Perestan Hagenes is just an odd one because I, I recall that being like the, the co-op prospect, but then suddenly he was doing a climb really well in recent... Yeah, was it Alsace Czech, or... Czech Tour, bizarre. Czech Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Behind Lipovic, who's actually quite good yes. on Bora. I was kind of shocked to see him up there in those results. And then when it comes to Stornemirit, we've seen him for a while. Like Algarve last year, he was already competing, if I recall correctly, in the white jersey in that race. So... He's been riding at the highest level already, but he's just been kind of stuck, but not really stuck at the Umbo Def team. And now he's making his setup to the to the big team. And I re- I think that's gonna be Domestique role first. And if he grows out of that, he grows out of that, but not directly. So that's a good talent moving up, and that's a strength for their climbing squad. Most likely Velta is what I'm guessing when it comes to Stone Emitted. If I think at how they usually tend to use riders. Domestique-wise, that seems like an opportunity for Son Limited in the in the Vuelta, I would I would expect. Luvon Bellheim, I don't actually know too well, and I should know him more because I, I know his name, I know what results he has, but I isn't he like a a versatile kind of uh, yeah, I don't I don't think he's the he's he's got a decent sprint on him, bit of an engine. Maybe he turns into a lead out rider. I think he could be a lead out in the future, mm-hmm. but he's not like he's not like those Perstrand Hagenes level prospect where don't be surprised to see Perstrand Hagenes in the opening opening weekend team next year. And yeah. he won Ronda van Drenthe where he rode away from Florian Vermesh and Casper van Uden or one of the DSM guys, young prospects. So he he's a good rider. But yeah, Lovan Bell maybe not the 
you know, more a contributor, at least for his Neo yeah. Pro contract. But these guys are signed through the end of 26. Like, that's cost-controlled. And, yeah, it's just the dev team doing its work, I guess. The the other one is also the extension of Koi, which I thought he was out the door. A lot of yeah. people thought he was out the door. They got him for another two years to develop. I think that's a bit of a – that's actually almost the biggest coup because he, I think he got fucked by the sprinters carousel. Yeah. And um, with Fabio, if Fabio hadn't gone to DSM, I think Koi <clears throat> might have gone there and they would have offered him Fabio money. I am personally of the opinion, and we can discuss the Fabio transfer while we're doing this. Fabio to DSM, I personally would have signed Koi instead if I was DSM because really? Koi has the future. Jakobsen, yes, has been proven, but he's mainly proven that he's, he's got Walter wins. He's got top speed. His positioning is not top these days. And I feel like if I analyze this first reaction when it comes to Fabio Jakobsen for me was, okay, he's not been in position for the majority of sprints this year. He didn't follow his lead out in a lot of the sprints as well. Merku, for example, in, in San Juan and so forth. Those kind of examples. He didn't get to show himself the entirety of the Tour de France. So that's the opposite of the coin there. But when it comes to DSM, they've shown that they can't position their sprinter for shit in the first place at the highest level. Yeah. Sam Wellsford when they're on the wrong side of roundabouts, more than I can count. And that's a that's a DS issue, I feel like. And when it comes to the team, regardless of the roundabouts, they weren't making it to the front in the first place anyway. So a sprinter that hasn't been in position all the time versus a, a team that can't position very well coming together, I don't see that as bullish either. And Jakobsen, to me, this is not an insult to Jakobsen, but he's got welter wins, but the majority of his victories are dot pro wins, no? This year, yeah, like two in Denmark, decent field, and I was impressed with him in Denmark. But yeah, yeah. Denmark, Belarus, the Belgium Tour. Philipson did crash him out of the tour, his main target of the year. So it is tough to – well, not he didn't crash him out, but he crashed him in the night. <laughs> I think that was his tour over effectively. And he, he, looked, he looked snappy in Torino. They're, they're opposite riders. Koi can get you a top top five and Ken Wevelhem. Maybe he'll win it one day. Uh, and also Kerner, I think he'd be quite good in a normal Kerner. Uh, his positioning is brilliant, but he doesn't have the top end. Fabio, when he's in position, like if you watch those Denmark sprints, he just rides away from people in the sprint, but he's not always there in that position. So I agree, Benji, particularly because their their classics team is not good. They need a they need someone for a, a headwind envelope one year, even just to come top five in the sprint behind. Yeah. Okay, he's not going to go with Laporte, Van Aert and, and Asgren maybe, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's... Uh, I guess we'll see in we'll see in a year. It's yeah. going to start again. Where's Koi going? And the, so they better take him to some Grand Tours. And when it comes to DSM, the last like the last pawn in that camp is that Bargillis coming back to the team. Wawa, who fell out of the team in a rather drastic way. He was they sent him thrown home out from of the, the They sent him home from the Vuelta because he disobeyed team orders, if I recall, after having a bloody amazing Tour de France with that team, and then. Now he's coming back, which is always odd to me. A rider coming back to a team that... Bennett did it with Bora. That all went yeah. well. <laughs> so I also feel like it's a similar transfer as Dagan Cole coming back to that team, which he's going to have some results, but he's not going to be the top results guy. And he's, he's going to give some experience to riders, but he's not going to save DSM as all. Well. He's not going to move Free the needle for DSM. Do. So I don't see that happening. I, I wouldn't have signed him for three years at... DSM, that's for sure. I don't reckon but, he's cheap either. I don't reckon he's cheap. <laughs> Probably. 
Probably don't you think no French teams? He scores points still. Don't, I reckon he's expect like for what he is. I reckon they're paying a fair bit. Probably, and also like what people don't understand is that French riders are often overpaid because uh, at French teams, well, Total will sign him seven fifty. Bang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get what paying one point five million at their at their usual spendage, but um, uh, I agree there. Now we spoke about DSM, spoke about Yumbo, we spoke about little. Do we go to UAE or do we go to Quickstep? Because we won't be able to do all teams in this one, so we might have to do a second part of this one, I'm uh, afraid. I'll just speed run some of the smaller ones. So Age of Tuar, the strong rumor is Sam Bennett there uh, as their sprinter. I think that's actually good because they literally haven't had a bunch sprinter for ever, uh, just about. And uh, if yeah. you don't have a sprinter, you can draw a line through half the race on the calendar. Uh, Astana, some of the weirdest signings of the year was Max Cantor. Maybe that hints at Cavendish returning. Ida Schelling, don't know where that one came from, but that's a bit of a loss for Bora, maybe. Uh, Israel, they're going, oh, <laughs> Michael Schwartzman, man, he must be happy. He's friends with Pascal Ackerman. We've got another contract. Um, Can't believe it. He, Ackerman's rumored to go to, or maybe, no, announced to go to Israel. Um, yeah, I need a sprinter, but. Nitzolo went there, didn't perform. Other sprinters have gone there, haven't performed. So we'll see how that goes. Mate, not yeah. even just that. Eaton Vernon, Audit Corgood, they've got like sprinters everywhere. Pickrell is also kind of a True, sprinter. Yeah. So this team is racking up the sprinters and they're probably going to try and do that to to clean sprinting classics, small yeah, sprinting points, classics, maybe? stuff like that. I don't know. That's how I see it. Yeah. Then another team that... In the pro teams, there's been a lot of movement. Tudor got Trenton from UE, Michael Storr, Dainese, Meyerhofer, Krieger, Stork. They got money. They got big money. It's kind of like it's kind of like how Lidl is doing and how Q36.5 is also getting relative big names like Nizolo in, for example. And the the point for pro teams is that they need to score UCI points. That's the goal. They want yeah. to score enough points over the three years to go to World Tour or score enough points within within the year to have the automatic wild cards in that sense. So you know, X also Court Lechnesund, Hulgard, Wallen, Wiedeberg, Kulsud, Lolan, Bevord. If you look at these teams. Tudor, you know, X, Israel, um, the likes of Q36.5 with, with Nizzolo. Who do you reckon has done the best job when it comes to UCI points buying? Kind of none of them, <laughs> to be honest. Trenton, I think, can score a lot of points, actually. So I like Trenton the most at Tudor, but they're probably paying him a bomb. I reckon they're paying him a fair bit. Um, but like Stora, Dainese, Meyerhoff, or Krieger, Stork, they might score nothing. Those guys are not consistent. And then again at Uno X, like, okay, Court can get you that big win. He's not a consistent one-day rider. Uh, yeah, but- okay, there's more points now for stage races, but Hulga, I, I kind of, uh, maybe Lechnison turns into a, a consistent GC guy, but I'm not sure about that either. I'm a bit more bullish than you are when it comes to you know, X, as in like, I agree that Court is not the, the big UCI points gainer, but it also depends on what program they put him on. And he's never been on the program to score those UCI points in the first place. Oh, so, you mean if he just did like a lot of Italian dot pro sort of yeah. hilly? Yeah, yeah, you're right. For you're example, right. Lechnison, I also believe, can still make a step up and he was really good at the Giro. So he can he can top 10 one-week races. The ones they get invited to, he can do that. Yeah, he can. Hulgard is probably on very little money. He, uh, he's definitely cheaper than Bistrom, by the way, and it's not even close, the difference between the two in money. And when it comes to these otherwise, like Wallen is, he's won a lot of like Conti races and that's deserving to step up in a team like, you know, X because they focus on these countries. So I'm not overly 
bullish on those other riders yet, but they can grow into riders that can score points over time. But maybe that's something for a dev team to do and not necessarily a pro team, I would say. But well, I, I just they're think trying the, to move up. I don't think these signings push them over the edge where yeah. they're going to outscore Israel on Lotto. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see a huge score in there. Uh, EF, Archie Ryan had some injury issues, just returned back to racing. He was on Yumbo Visma's dev team. I think in when he's not injured, I think he's an, an outstanding rider. He won a pro race in Slovakia, I think, last year. Great punch. Yeah. Uh, another Irish rider, Darren Rafferty, is going to EF as well, as well as uh, Volgren, who seems to be back into shape, which is nice to see. He got a top 10, I think, last week or this week. And Yadi Christian Vandalis. So the EFs, EF are doing what they have to do. you got to take a risk. So Yumbo looking at Archie Ryan, they're like, maybe they're like, oh, injury issues, but there's good upside there. So EF, it's a worthwhile risk. I think he's a really good rider, and if he's healthy, yep. and so I think that's a great bit of work. And I hope, I hope he does stay, does stay healthy. Uh, quick step, Ben. Oh no, I'll speed run, Jayco, Maro Schmidt, their classics leader. You got your wish. Yes, it's <laughs> happening. He's got freedom. Imagine they don't send him <laughs> to the classics. Oh, I'm going to fucking die. Max Walshride also there for a couple races. We're based all races, stuff like that. And I wonder if his time trial is going to be good again. Now that he's joining a team that has an okay setup. True. David De Preto. Great setup, yeah. And Anders Foldager, those other two signings they have. Those are two riders that have solid results in 23 Italian races, especially De Preto. So that can move up. And I feel like Jaco has been really good in signing riders from the U23 Italian circuit over the last few years. They've really been focusing on that is what I what I feel like. So I like these transfers. I don't think they'll majorly move the needle, but I'm happy that Mauro Schmidt might get the program he deserves. Now, Speedrun Bora, Martinez, we spoke about it already. Sobrero, Hayek, Herzog. Herzog is difficult. He was strong at juniors. He was not really that great at U23. He hasn't made that step up necessarily to say, I deserve Walter now. So... Is this too early? I think so. I mean, and Bora have been doing this a few times. So they got burnt with Marco Brenner going to DSM when they thought they were going to get him. He skipped U23s. And, and Herzog's yeah. a huge prospect. I, I grant you that. But yeah, as you said, Benji, there's no one who needs it unless they have data or testing or something. But it's you look at this guy's results, he needs another year of U23s. There is nothing yeah. in his results suggesting that he should be stepping up to world tour level next year and in in terms of providing stuff for the team and for his own development and Bora did the same thing with uh uh what's his name Lewis Lewis Joe Lewis he stepped up <laughs> super young when he was yeah. I think 19 or 20 and it's not it wasn't worth it to join and the world it- tour team Florian Lipovitz uh maybe he He's a bit older, but yeah, I don't understand it. But like, if you take yeah. a look at this, I feel like there's an obvious solution here. That's having U23 team that works with them because they had Otto Eder Bayer, I think, as the junior team. But then they didn't have a bridge between that and the Walter team, if yeah. I recall correctly. And if you don't have that, then you've got the risk of losing riders like Brenner. And that's so you why say, you just signed- come now. And that's what, that's what yeah. Remco said in the interview. Quick step, while we was doing so well in the, in the juniors... Start freaking out all the interest, and Lefebvre was like, "Okay, you got to come now." And Remco's a different kettle of fish, but yeah, for every Otterbrooks which Bora have, not every rider is Otterbrooks and Remco. Herzog will yeah. probably be a nice pro, but he can do another year of U twenty three. But if you don't have the U twenty three team, maybe UAE come and get him, or someone offers him big money. So now he's on the the World Tour team, in my opinion, uh, 
a little bit too early. I don't know who Hajek is. Didn't, who is that? Uh, I I checked his results and now I've completely forgotten. He doesn't have the craziest results in general, so I'm not overly bullish, but they probably have the numbers to prove that he's an okay talent, but not necessarily to step up already. But didn't they announce like a deal with Tirol as their U23? Oh, yeah, I think so. Thing at some point, but they're not using it then, if if I see how it is. like Anyway, that's our view on Bora. Let's go to... um. To two of the bigger teams again. I think that those are the last two teams. Quickstep and UAE. Let's start off with Quickstep. They've got Landa. We've spoken about it already in the Remco interview, basically. Super Domestique is what it's being announced at. It's probably being marketed as that. I also expect him to have some opportunities for himself. But I expect, I expect it to be a better signing than how people are publicly perceiving him to be. And next to the Landas of the world, they signed Lamperti, who is a, a talented classic slash sprinter guy. Liking it. An American crit racer is how I initially oh, saw him. I cannot but believe he's, he's ended that. up a quick step on. I know there's a specialized connection. Yeah. So and he was on special at Trinity, right? So I thought Ineos would go for him. Yeah. Or Bora, because Bora could get another sprinter in. And I think Lamperti's yeah, really good. Aren't there multiple riders where we thought they would be at Ineos? Like Nerurkar, for example, at Slovenia. He, he might still be going there. Okay. He's not announced anywhere. Um, okay. No, there's no rumor of that, but I was like, well, he's British and Italian and young. Like, <laughs> makes sense to me. But yeah, Lamperti, I think, is really good. Uh, so yeah. it's just a classic quick step signing. You, Vernon, he comes in. I think they decided Vernon's not not that guy. He's not going to step up to Jakobsen and Merlier. Out you go. Bring in another Neo Pro. Talented. Try again. Try again. Rinse and repeat. And it's cost control too. So you're not going to be paying him millions of euros either. So I think that's perfectly fine, uh, especially as Jakobsen is leaving. So they need another sprinter. Um, Hubie, I think, is the one that's not being spoken about too much. I think he's yep. really good. Like, he's a really good puncher. He's Okay, he's a little bit older for U23s. Like, but um, Alsace was good. He won uh, GC at Quadlepe Grand Prix, Jasinski, just consistent, good results. I think he's a really nice rider. And for someone who's probably on 50K, I think it's a great signing. When it comes to Gilles Gelders and Wada van Gelo, those are kind of the the, the ruler, cobblish type of talents I would, I would see based on the result, the Steimlers of the world, but in Belgium. So I see that as an okay transfer. They could have maybe, I don't know, their results are okay enough to warrant them to go to a World Tour team, but it's still like on the edge for me. So they need to step up a tiny bit to to reach that level. But overall, I actually I actually kind of like these quick sub transfers. And Lesser, Ubi, those are riders that not only can do their own stuff, but also can be part of a, a Nevenepool trajectory in like five to six years, maybe, if they, if they grow a lot more. So that's possible there. So I like these transfers, can't complain. I um, Remco spoke about Having yeah. another rider next to Landa, I don't know if they necessarily need that, but might as well have it just in case if they got the money for it. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I didn't really agree with needing another mm. mountain dom. I was like, yeah, like you got here Van Wilder, and you're probably paying here a lot of money. Um, but anyway, uh, maybe they need. I think he meant someone that was a bit more versatile, but they didn't like a Jorgensen perhaps, but that didn't happen. Uh, who else we got? We, we, we've speak UAE, my friend. Oh, UAE. UAE, they signed everybody, announced <laughs> everyone. Um, UAE team, Emirates, you know, 
just like Yumbo, the rich get richer. And in particular, they signed, they've signed they signed Nils Pollitt, very important ruler. Sivakov, Baroncini, I quite like. Igor Arrieta and Antonio Morgado. So these are all quite different. We'll start with Pollitt. Trenton out, Pollitt in. Is that an upgrade? I think that's a solid upgrade. I think Pollard Probably not is for a, points, but for stage race domestique duties, maybe it is. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck about their points at this point. You always at do. the top of the table, and they care about it, but I don't care about it. I want them to. If I was them, I want to win the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I perceive it is. And Il Spolid will be. He might not move the needle when it comes to winning the Tour de France because then Pogacar needs to step up, but he will increase the tactical strength that they have because. We've spoken a lot about UAE having this one weakness in Grand Tours where breakaway formation phase is uncontrollable for them. And that's not just by by pacing down every rider that attacks. It's it's also like when a group forms of eight or seven at the front, they want that group to go away. Then a group of eight bridges to that or tries to bridge to that, you need to try and neutralize that second group to make sure the first group can become the, the breakaway of the day. And... They failed to do such activities in the early breakaway formation. And I think that's part of the rider quality, but also part of the not necessarily knowing how to do it properly sometimes. Bullet probably has the experience to do such stuff. He's a very good ruler. So I reckon this is one of their I reckon this is their best transfer next to Morgado. Yeah, Morgado was rumored to be there going there for a long time. He was coming from Hagen's Berman Axian. And who produced the likes of Almeida and Casper Asgren and Machin, I think, has a decent yeah. relationship with them. And he's a you know, he's only nineteen. This is his first year of U twenty threes. Did he do Yes, so he came second in the U twenty three uh World Championships road race in his first year. Both. Or U twenty three. Oh, so yeah, this, you're this right. year he came second in his first year of U twenty three. So huge talent. Don't exactly know what type of rider he is yet. I think just a fucking good one-day rider, and he's yeah. on a he's on a four-day four-year deal. I think he can do a lot of things, and you know they're probably paying a lot, <laughs> but um, that's why when you say in, in three years, if he is a top ten rider in the world, it won't seem like a lot of money, and UAE can afford to take these risks. So yeah, maybe they overpaid Camilo Andres Ardila, but if you get Morgado yep. on five hundred k in twenty twenty six and he's winning monuments. Not it doesn't look too bad anymore. Uh, and oh, sorry, go on. It's not it's not the only talent that they sign either. Eh? Like Filippo Baroncini is a rider that was at Trek. He won the Junior World Championships, if I recall. U23. It was U twenty three U twenty three World Championships, if I recall. He probably lost the Italian NCs this year due to a, a mechanical. I I, I still f- fully believe that he would have won that race if it wasn't for his mechanical. But he had so many injuries at Trek. He fractured his radius three times. February yeah, yeah. in August last year, once again in February this year, that's crazy collarbone fracture as well. So if he can just stay on the bike, then this guy is really talented. Then Arietta's very different as in, well, to be clear, Baroncini, versatile, Italian classics kind of rider is oh, how I'm, I see him initially. I'm super, je- I'm super jealous of the Baroncini signing because I'm, je- I'm not jealous of like signing Pollitt, like paying Sivakov millions of euros like... You just got the money. It's not like, oh, yeah. incredible scouting. And Morgado as well. Like, that's more Machin's relationships early on, which is a different story. 
and it's obvious to everyone Morgado is, is probably going to be pretty good. But the Barancini one I'm jealous of because his results say nothing. But he I wanted think, him. Yeah, but well, he might not. He probably fits in their team, half, you know, Italian culture team better. <laughs> he's only 22 and he's yeah. just finished his first Neo Pro deal. And if you see his lead out for Thibaut Nays, so I think it was. Yes. He did a lead out for Thibaut Nays somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Uh, in Volony or, or Tudis. I think it was Volony. Yeah, Volony, I think. Uh, which fucking stage was it? It was so I, good, man. I tell he, you. Anyway. Nays won, right? Nays won. I swear he did a lead out for Thibaut Nays somewhere. Kanton Zargo, probably? Or Norway? It was in it was in Grosse Presse de Canton Argyle, the Swiss one day race, and Barancini just unbelievable. And so I think he's a great could be a really good one day racer and very valuable in an Ardennes team. So he's gonna be Alphilippe, no, but I think he's a really good rider. And you don't even I think he could be a valuable stage racing guy. So I was yeah, I think that's a that's good scouting, seeing okay. He's not had the best of luck in his U twenty yeah. in his Neo Pro contract. A lot of talent there, still only twenty two. Uh, Sivakov Benji is kind of the obvious one where it's like they just want they sign someone like Sivakov every year, but yeah, and you got to pay a lot of money for it, and that's what Remco said. Like they just can't is afford it, it. Is it not just an addition to the team, but also a a replacement for Micah before Micah already leaves? I think so. I think it's in case Micah declines. Micah is in his maybe mid thirties, not that old, but you know he's thirty three, turning thirty four in in a month. It's. I think it's. Uh. Yeah. It's. It's that role, and it's. They're one of the teams that can afford to do it. Only a three-year deal. Yep. Um. But yeah, it's. Uh. Will it change the Tour de France for them? Not necessarily, but. Yeah, they want points as well, and that will probably. <laughs> probably score a lot of points for them. Ariadra, I think, is a relationship thing because what happened with the dad at Movistar? There's beef. Uh, I don't recall what the beef initially was. Um. But. Basically, he wrote for Movistar in the younger years, so it wasn't called Movistar then, because Depania and so forth. Then eventually, he worked at Movistar as a staff member. And then in 2020, what was it 2021 ish? He ended up, no, yeah, at the end of 2021, they didn't renew his contract for 2022. I recall there being beef, I just don't remember what it was. But if there was beef, then it's logical that. He got already. I thought the son off is probably not going to Movistar anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's not surprising that he goes to a different team then, which is which is this team. And he had strong results last year in Gran Camino. He got like fifth behind Woods and Padun Pod- and so forth. But he hasn't necessarily shown that in 2023. So I'm curious if he can get back to that level and show that again. And yeah, that's kind of that when it comes to this team as well. So I mean, it's been t- he's he's because ba- he's on a keeper current farmer. They basically race him on a pro schedule because they don't they need him yeah. to. He's one of their better riders to to get results in a in a pro schedule. So he hasn't been able to show it. Like he hasn't done a, a U twenty three race this year, which he's eligible for, except for the World Championships road race. And he's only twenty, turning twenty one in December. So maybe his his. Results would look a lot better if he was on a pure U23 schedule, but I think, uh, yeah, not 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 the biggest hype talent like a Morgado is that top tier talent, uh, but we'll see. He could be developed into quite a nice rider as well. I think that's uh, pretty much everything, Benji, from all the rumors, some of the confirmations. When further news comes out, like maybe 
don't know, we might do a round two in, in the end of September, just before the, the Italian classics. I think we'll have yep. the, the host of Ineos transfers then, and then all the, the Vuelta sort of transfers will be, will, will be finalized as well. Which team do you think, Ooh. like Yumbo pretty much have no spots left. UAE, I think, are pretty full. Which yeah, I think team? Jumbo ha- two spots and UAE one spot, if I recall correctly, if my memory is right. UAE have yeah, UAE have twenty nine riders under contract for next year. They're yeah. basically full, um, yeah. and they don't have to sign extra ones. Who do you think has the most work to do right now? Uh, Ineos. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's an obvious one. But there's also loads of riders like Istana's a a water. Astana's not even the best pro team if they move down to pro team. No. So they're worthless in World Tour right now. Then I think Arkea did well with Demar and so forth and Scottson coming, stuff like that. I most work to there's just a lot of teams already next to Ineos that haven't announced that many transfers. So I reckon just the ones that haven't announced their transfers have the, the most work to do because they have to announce them. <laughs> well, Astana have 10 riders under contract yeah. for 2024, which includes the three that they just signed and announced. So I think they're hinging a lot of it on Cav, but 18 riders, 18 riders. I know they have people out of contract, and yes, they can fill them with, you know, Yuri Natarov and... Nurbegin, Nurlakasem, and and these guys, and Igor's son, but it's eighteen riders is a lot to to fill. So a lot yeah. of teams have a lot to do. Intermarche, uh, I don't know what their plan is either. But um, the problem is we haven't really had like a a Jorgensen. Like, has anyone been really poached? Like a big rider, big talent, and this is maybe the st- a reflection on the state of the market. No big name, big talent has been snapped up by a mid-tier team. From what I can yep. see, it's like UAE, Yumbo, Ineos just hoard. Movistar even get a guy under contract. That contract gets broken. Yeah, like it's the three big teams just hoovering up everything, and you know Intermarché can't get their hands on someone like Tullet. You know what we call that in Belgium? Water keeps running to the sea. Okay. Water keeps running to the sea, the rich get richer, and the rest are let, left fighting for, not for scraps, but, you know, oh, Little Trek have come in. Little Trek, probably the exception to that that rule that I see. Do you think a salary cap needs to be introduced, Benji? I think this is a very long discussion that we can't discuss instantly, but there's negative, effects the to a, there's negative effects to a, a salary cap as well. Next to the positive effects that you'd expect, like, ooh, it's going to be more even across the market, the negative effects is that I would expect teams to... You'd also need extra rules than just a salary cap. You'd need rules on on saying that you can't just spend a lot of money on a big guy and then spend little money on all the, the other guys because then you'll have... The average salary of a World Tour rider will probably go lower. For sure. And what you would do is you would get signed Vingegaard or those Pagacha to huge, the same amount they're still on yeah. and then you just pay everyone else the minimum. Yeah. You'll get better results that way. Um, I think probably there should be a salary cap. Ooh. Uh, mainly because it would give us so much more to talk about. I think <laughs> <laughs> it would make the And mon- a draft at the start of the season for uh, the youngsters. Yeah, yeah that would be good as well. <laughs> um, it would then probably mean there would be contract value transparency. It would yeah. make the money ball analytics stuff uh, for my work as well. 
a lot more interesting. And so, I mean, a lot of teams call for a salary cap, but sometimes I think be careful what you wish for. Not every team would be punished by a salary cap. I think some teams with a salary cap would fuck things up horrendously, um, just frankly. But yeah. Anyway, that's an, that's another point of discussion. But there are all the transfers. A uh, lot of lot of roundabouts. Still some big outstandings like Lefay, like Carlos Rodriguez. Carlos Rodriguez being the la- the really big one outstanding, and uh, whether Cavendish will will stay with Astana and extend for one year. But we hope you enjoyed this roundup. Let us know who we who we underrated, who we overrated, who did well, who did badly. We're always we do this. We open ourselves up because next year someone can clip this pod and say you're stupid. But it's fun to talk about the transfers. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you with the Vuelta recap on Tuesday. Ciao. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.